Kirsten, and I also am one of the pastors here on staff, and I'm excited, excited to chat with y'all. So, put this mic on. So, my, um, my husband and I, um, we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary soon, so we're pretty excited about that. Um, but we met about 11 years ago. And we definitely spent the first, uh, it's embarrassing, first like couple months of our relationship, like just texting, don't recommend it, um, and like flirting, playing words with friends, which is like the new, the old Wordle, and I am like not a Wordle person, so it's funny that I did that. Um, but we texted for a while, and then he came to Chattanooga, and we um, started the oh-so-fun journey of a long-distance relationship. And we took a couple flights, did some long drives, um, but primarily our relationship was able to happen because of the megabus. And we take this overnight drive, like drive there on the bus, and Jonathan was working at a church at the time, and so he'd come here for the weekend, and then he'd put on his church clothes Saturday night, get on the bus, show up Sunday morning ready to preach a sermon, like, here I am, ready for the bus. And I, like, would, I never want to get on a mega bus again. Like, I do not want to. I have some strange stories from that time. But both of us were willing to do kind of whatever it took to actually be with each other. We want to be with the people we love. And honestly, I think we discovered during COVID that we just kind of want to be with even the people we sort of like. You guys experienced that. I know every one of you missed a year of school. And probably just that longing to like be in class with somebody else, to learn alongside of somebody, was there existing. And tonight what we're going to talk about is that God longs and desires to dwell and to be with each of us. So I pray tonight that you would come to know that to be true. So let's pray. Father God, um, thank you that you want to be with us, that you have made a way to dwell with us. That no matter where we are worshiping, that you have made a way that we can be with you. We are thankful and so grateful for that. Would you um, teach us tonight? In your name, amen. So, in order to understand where we are in the scripture tonight, we have to look at this one verse um, as a whole. We have to look at it in the whole of the Torah. And the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. So we've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And we, as a sermon series, are in Leviticus, like that one right in the middle. So to understand... What we're going to be talking about, we've got to go all the way back to the beginning, to Genesis 1, where God creates man. He creates man, and he puts him in a garden, and he literally dwells with him. He goes on walks with him. He's with man, but then man sins and has to leave the garden and no longer dwells with God in the same way. And we'll see in the pages of all of the rest of Scripture God's work of bringing his people back to himself, back into that relationship so in the pages of Genesis, that first book of the Bible, we see that being done, that God moves towards people, bringing them back to himself. And then we move into the next book, Exodus. And here in Exodus, 
this guy Moses, who is a big star in Leviticus, is introduced, and he is made to bring the people of Israel, the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery. They're in the middle of the desert. They're wandering around. God says to Moses, build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among my people. So then Moses is giving like all of these like instructions. Like so, I mean, those of you who have worked with me know that I like detailed lists. Like God likes them even more. Um, all these like crazy details about how to build this thing called the tabernacle, which is a place that God will come and dwell. So the people of Israel build this tabernacle, this tent of meeting, and God comes and dwells in this tabernacle. The people of God would know when God's glory came because a cloud would come and be around this tabernacle. But at this point, nobody is allowed inside. Which leads us to our scripture tonight. Leviticus 1.1. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. God is calling Moses from the tent, meaning that Moses is not in it, but God's inside. Okay, so why, why this one verse, right? Once again, we've got to look at the whole of the Torah. And so we skip through all of Leviticus, go to the very end of it, and then the next book is Numbers, and we start right there. Numbers 1.1. The Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tent of meeting. The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent. Moses is now in the tent. Which means that this book of Leviticus somehow, someway got Moses into the tent. That this book is not just a bunch of rules and sacrifices, but the purpose of it to allow God to dwell with his people. And that makes me really excited to read Leviticus, to understand that God has made a way to be with his people in this book. And this, this idea of God being with them in their presence would have seemed nuts to the people at this time. Gods of the ancient Near East were all super far away. They like existed in the clouds. They created out of like war and violence. People rarely even knew their names. And then to say that this God is coming to actually be among them and to do it out of love, there's probably fear, to be honest. Because one of the last times they saw God's presence, it was like he was on a mountain. Moses was up there getting the Ten Commandments, and there's like lightning and thunder, and they can't even touch the mountain without somebody dying. Like, that's what first, okay, you're going to come dwell here among us, and we're going to be with you in that. That had to be kind of scary. But then probably also really exciting that God would come and dwell with them, that, that he would be there and could protect them. And care about them in that place. That would have been so beyond what they could imagine. He wanted to dwell with them, so he was making a way in Leviticus to dwell with them. He wants to dwell with us too. This is not just an invitation for back then. He desires to dwell with each of you. So tonight, as we talk through this, I want actually this stirring in your mind. Why maybe do you not want to dwell with God? Maybe you're scared, just like they were, for a great reason. 
Who is this God? What is he capable of? Maybe he hasn't piqued your interest yet. I mean, I wouldn't have gotten a Megabus if I wasn't interested in Jonathan. Like, I don't know. I don't know if he's worth it. Maybe you don't trust him and you don't believe that he's actually inviting you to spend time with him. I don't know what it is, but I want that to kind of be there. Do I want to dwell with God? Another question you may be asking right now is, well, right now, like here we are worshiping God. We didn't have to do a whole book worth of things to spend time with him, to be with him, to pray to him. Why, why was there this whole book to make this happen? We'll, we'll talk about that throughout the semester, um, but we are living on the side of Jesus. This was before Jesus came, before he died for our sins. And so if you can imagine, one of the best examples that was given was that Jesus' holiness, his glory is like the sun. This is a great thing, but the closer we get to it, the more precautions we take a mission trip to Ecuador a lot, and every year people get so burnt because they're not used to being that close to the sun. So God in this book is offering a way for the people of Leviticus to be with him, showing us how to exist in his presence. All this to say, God made a way in Leviticus to dwell with his people because he wanted to be with them because he loved them. Uh, this weekend, I spent some time weeding my yard. It's a jungle. Um, and it was not fun. I did not enjoy it until my four and a half year old, four and a half, sorry, four and three quarters year old son, Jax, came out and we started weeding with me. And as you can imagine, the weeding decreased, but the rolling holy time totally increased. Having a competition for who can make a bigger pile of weeds was happening. Creating a magic potion that made mosquitoes hate my blood was part of it. Just experiencing life, celebrating each other. Loving our time together was what that time became. That's, that's the way of God, being with us in it. Because there's a whole heck of a lot of weeds in our life to pull. But what if it's not just about that? What if it is about experiencing God in the midst of all of that? Recognizing all of the little and really big things that God puts in front of us as we are at work. Enjoying God while we're doing our life. That is dwelling with Him. And when we dwell with Him, we experience a relationship that's deeper than you guys could ever imagine. When we dwell with Him, God encourages us. And when we dwell with Him, we experience abundant life now, no matter how dreary our circumstances may be. So when we dwell with God, we experience a relationship with Him that we couldn't imagine. We can totally get to know people from like reading about them, watching a documentary about them, 
We can have friendship with people on Marco, Snapchat, on the phone, but it's lacking. It's lacking that experience with another. It's lacking making memories with them. How much better do you get to know someone when you know like how terrible they are at parking? How they always make eye contact with the people in the store? How would they get distracted by? What they get so pumped about happening right around them? Making those memories, knowing those things about those people, that builds those relationships. I love on mission trips when we make people put their phones away so that when they're experiencing things there, the first people they share those experiences with are the people with them on the trip. Not just calling home to somebody. Because that sharing of experiences builds and deepens relationships in a whole other way. And as those relationships deepen, what we recognize is that we are coming to know them even more. And what's happening too is we're becoming more and more vulnerable because we're in person with somebody and they, they are watching us. It might not just be what we're offering to them, but they're watching us. And God knows that as we are vulnerable, we get to know each other more. So he chooses to become very vulnerable and to come and live, not live, to come and dwell in a tent in the middle of a desert. Because he knows that that will allow us a better way of knowing him. Because it's not just what he says he's about, it's what he's showing us he's about alongside of us. And it will allow us to trust him more that he actually does know us because he is doing it with us. I'm sure there's somebody in this room that each of you are like, yeah, this person just doesn't understand me. Oftentimes it's a parent. Um, for those of you sophomores this year, upperclassmen, you've experienced this too, you guys can very vividly remember this past summer. So summer after your freshman year, it's a hard one. You go home and yes, you have to like, you know, tell people where you're going and like, what is this? Like, you wanna, you wanna know what time I'm gonna be home? I don't know. But also, these people who knew you a year ago now think they still know you and you're like, I don't, uh, that's not who I am anymore. I don't really like that stuff. This is what I'm passionate about. And they act as if they know you, but they haven't experienced life with you as you've changed this past year. So it takes time for you to reorient to them, for you to have new experiences so that you could be known by them. But as you do, as you believe that they know you, you begin to believe the things that they're saying about you to be true. And so as we dwell with God, we believe that what he's saying about us is true because we believe he actually knows us. And ultimately in this, we experience this depth of relationship because God likes us. Right before this passage, Moses is having a conversation with God. He says this to him. If your presence does not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how will people know that I found favor in your sight? How will I look distinct from anyone on the face of the earth? And the Lord says to Moses, 
The very thing that you have spoken will I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. You have found favor. I like you, and I know you. God wants to dwell with his people because he likes them. When Jack and I will think about the weeding weekend, we're not going to remember the weeding or maybe even the roly-polies, but we'll remember that relationship that we, that we have, that we experience. What I'm going to remember is I remember hugging me afterwards being like, I love you, Mama. I'm going to remember how much I like my buddy and how much he likes me. When we dwell with God, he encourages us. I don't think I'm alone with this, but I don't really like going new places by myself. I love it when I have a friend to come with me. I have so much more courage when I can walk into a room knowing I've got somebody else alongside of me. And this is the sort of courage that God can offer to us. I was chatting with a friend about this, and she said that when she goes anywhere with her brother, she is just so free. Free to be herself, free to giggle as much as she wants to, to say the things she feels, and that she simply feels protected because he has her back. And this is the encouragement God's giving us because God is with us, that no matter where we go, our value lies in him, and he's with us. So it's going to be okay. And then when he's with us, he's protecting us within us, so close, not far away. Like, when I was weeding with Jax, I was letting him use some of, like, shovel things and the clipper things. And I wouldn't have let him use those things if I wasn't with him. But I was able to give him an even bigger responsibility, let him do things that were even more dangerous, because I was there to be with him. So it's not about keeping us from doing things when he protects us. It's about being with us in it. Because, to be honest... And maybe let Jax, you know, like pick up some things in like an anthill and he maybe got stuck by an ant. But it was okay because I was there to tell him he was going to be okay. You, you may remember, those of you that babysit remember that very, this very well, but when you were little, when you would get hurt, you would ask your parent or a grown-up to kiss your boo-boo. And while I did learn that saliva has some healing properties, which makes the miracle of Jesus spitting in a guy's face really exciting for me, what is really happening when a kid wants you to kiss their boo-boo so they want to know they're going to be okay? And apparently, through touch, there's a hormone released in our brains called oxytocin, and what it does is it relieves stress. It calms us down. So when a parent kisses our boo-boo, what we're being told is that it's okay. That the shock of the pain can be relieved and we can better deal with the pain at hand. When we are with God in our pain, we for sure can better deal with the pain we have even while we're still feeling it. When we dwell with God, we recognize that it's about the relationship. We begin to experience abundant life 
in the now, not just in a place that we're going. While we were weeding, the weeding got a lot less, and the roly-poly adventure increased. The amount of time we spent finding the roly-poly, putting it in a cup, putting it in a weed pile, naming it, watching how fast it would roll down the weed pile, that's what the day became about. And I had to release this plan that I had of getting a portion of my yard beautified because it was about spending time with Jax in that moment. Our life with God isn't about where we're going. It's about life with Him in the moment. It's not hopping on a plane to get to Mexico and there God will be. It's about going on a walk and getting lost and not having any idea where that destination is. This is what the Israelites were doing. They were wandering in the desert and God wasn't like, I'll show up when you get to the promised land. No, I'm coming and dwelling with you now. That's how Jesus did ministry. It wasn't like, hey disciples, once we get to the Sea of Galilee, then we'll do it. No, it was on the way. Christians, our life is a life on the way because it's a life with God on the way. Not a life to get to God someday. And as you're living this life with God, your plans will change. That's okay. That just because maybe in middle school you're like, I'm going to become a nurse, that that may not be what's happening now. That's okay. That when you're 20 and 30 and 50 and 100, that you're like, oh my gosh, but I'm living life with God and these other things have been put in my, before me and oh, I love them. Probably people. And you'll be redirected and some of those plans won't happen. Some of them will just happen in a whole new way. But as you're living this life, what you're experiencing is abundance, abundant life, because abundant life is the relationship, the beauty of the relationship that you will have with God. It's now, not someday. Jesus tells a story um, in the Gospels of the, uh, it's called the prodigal son of these two brothers. And one, the younger brother, one of the brothers, asks his dad for his inheritance. He goes and spends all his money, has a big old time, and then ends up being broke, coming back to his dad, begging for a job. And his dad said, I'm not giving you a job. Come back to the family. I'm throwing you a party. And during the party, the older brother is jealous and gets upset. And he goes to his father and tells him this, and the father says, but you've been with me the whole time. Sharing with him that abundant life isn't the money and the things that they're doing. It is being with the father. It is being with God that is that abundant life. So in the book of Leviticus, God is offering this abundance to his people in this place. He's saying he's making a way for his people to dwell with him and to be in the presence of his holiness. If you haven't guessed, being in the presence of his holiness is for us too. Dwelling with him is for us too. 
God isn't just existing up there in the chandeliers. He's with you too. Because God dwelled in the tabernacle, let his people come, be with him there, and he was in a temple, and then Jesus came. He moved into the neighborhood. Jesus dwelled in the, on this earth. He became way more vulnerable than even just staying in a tent. He became a human. So that we would know him and he would show us that he knows us. And then when he died, he sent his spirit and said, okay, now the spirit is going to go even farther. He's going to dwell in my church, my temple, the people of God, that the Holy Spirit is now able to dwell in each of us. Do you want that? He wants to dwell with you. In fact, he has called you to dwell with him. The Hebrew word for Leviticus, Vaikra, means he called. Because this book is about God calling his people. You may be wondering, I mean, it's a big time of wondering what you're called to. Like, am I called to this job? Am I called to this relationship? Am I called to this core group? I don't know, maybe. But I do know you are called to dwell with God. Will you respond? You've been called. And we're not called to do it timidly. We're actually invited to do it with great boldness and confidence. Hebrews 10, 19 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter into the most holy place, that's part of the tabernacle, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us, the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance. We get to draw near to God in confidence. It is living life with him that will show us that not just getting through the wilderness is key, but that it is living with God in the middle of the wilderness. And I think that's maybe why God showed up in the middle of the wilderness and said, I'm going to dwell with you here. So that we would believe that he actually wants to do that with us wherever we're at. And I have definitely been asking myself lately, like, do I want to dwell with God in my circumstance, or do I just want him to get me out of it? And I've come time and time again to say, yes, I want to dwell with him in the middle of it, because I'd rather follow him out of it than find my own way out. I'd rather live with him in the middle of it than just to be out of it without him. Because God isn't just like this mean God saying like, ha ha, good luck in your bad situation. He wants to walk with us through it. That journey just may look different than we could imagine. God wants to dwell with you. He wants to, you to experience a relationship with him that you cannot even imagine. Actually, I think he wants you to try to imagine it. 
He wants to offer you courage as he dwells with you. He wants you to have abundant life now with him. Will you respond to that call? Because God likes you. He wants you. He's called you. Here in a um, few minutes, Jason is going to come up here and um, administer communion. And this table is a very tangible way that we can remember that God is coming to dwell with us. That he came and sent his son to die for us. We get to take this bread and eat it to remember that. And that he offered us forgiveness of sin. And so we get to drink this blood, this juice, to remember that. We get to use this table as a gift to remember that God wants to dwell with us. This past Sunday, we took communion at church, and so I was explaining to Jax what it was, and um, I was telling him, like, this is the bread, and it, you know, represents Jesus dying for us, and this is the juice, and represents him, you know, forgiving our sins, and this new covenant, and tell him all that about this, and I was like, what do you think, bud? He's like, I like Jesus. I was like, me too, buddy. Like, why do you like him? He goes, because he made Lucy. And Lucy's my six-month-old who has a congenital heart defect and has by far been the hardest part of Jax's life. But he likes Jesus because he made Lucy, because he has this beautiful relationship with her. He knows how to make her laugh. He knows when she's sad. He by far is her favorite person. So even though Lucy has been the reason why mom and dad have been gone for months at a time, even though Lucy is why there's stress in our house, Jax loves, likes Jesus because he made Lucy. He gets that being in a relationship. So do you like Jesus enough to be in the hard situations with him, to dwell with him? I'm going to take a minute of silence before communion. I want you to respond to that in silence. God is calling you to dwell with him. Will you respond? Jason will close us or close out your time with a prayer.